podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Good morning. I'd like to begin by telling two stories, two personal stories, and they contrast with, with one another. Uh, the first one is, it takes place sophomore year of high school. Um, backstory, uh, parents move us down from Pennsylvania to North Carolina, have a you know, new kid in school, you have to uh, look for a new church and all of that. We eventually found a church, and I started to attend youth Sunday school and, and youth group and things like that. Still just wasn't ready to just let my hair down and, and all of that. You know, you're just very, uh, just, you know, keep keeping things, just keeping things calm. And, you know, you're not, you don't want to rush into anything. Uh, well, at this church's youth group, there was a, a girl who, she was so welcoming and invitational to me. And it just made all the difference. It's like, that was the church we, we decided on attending. But it was like, she brought me in. She was like, no, you, you belong here, and you're, you're one of us now. And it was, it was a great experience. I'm so thankful that, that she was there, how, how warm and welcoming she was. I, I was wanted in that youth group. It was a good experience. Now, a couple years later, freshman year of college... You know, on, on campus, I'm looking for that, that group of Christians to, to hang out with. I'm looking for those good Christian kids and tr- try to make those connections. Well, there was one uh, campus ministry that uh, invited me to come out to uh, their gatherings. Uh, that there was a missionary couple. They were serving there on campus. Their, their job was to, to do campus ministry. And so they had this idea, hey, every Friday night we're going to open up our home. And make a home-cooked meal for college kids. They're probably hungry for home-cooked food. Just, you know, get away from the dining hall. They'll come hang out. And it's just an open house. Well, I started to attend these open house Friday night things. and and But let me tell you, like, I could not connect with that group. Like, like there was just this feeling like I wasn't wanted. I didn't fit in. I was an outsider. And that... Eventually, I just stopped going. I ended up finding another Christian organization to, to be a part of on, on campus. And I, I tell these two stories because, you know, sometimes in, in church communities, any community, but, you know, specifically we're talking about church today, sometimes a group of Christians, like, we just nail it. We get the whole hospitality and welcoming thing, like, just dialed in. And it's just, it's awesome. It's contagious to, to find that group and you're just welcomed in. Other times, sometimes we, uh, you know, it's like we, we hit a wall. There, there is a difference between getting in and fitting in. And, you know, when it comes to graciousness and compassion and invitation and hospitality and acceptance and just seeing people and, and, and all of that, yeah, sometimes churches are really good at that. Sometimes not so much. And on the topic of hospitality, you know, we're hopefully coming out of a, a, a pandemic, and many of us, I imagine, our hospitality muscles haven't been flexed too much over the last two years. We kind of need to relearn what it looks like to play together and work together and, and eat together and, and things like that. 
Well, today we have a, a Jesus story. Our text is a Jesus story. And it takes place on a, a Sabbath day. Jesus was invited over to a prominent religious leader's house to have a barbecue, to have a, a meal. And while at this house, Jesus saw the other guests. They were flocking to the seats of, of honor. They were elbowing their way to the seats of, of honor. And Jesus saw this behavior and he discerned, hey, this is a good opportunity to teach a lesson. And so he, he gives a little parable on honor and shame. But then he doesn't stop there. He actually just naturally pivots and then teaches another follow-up lesson on, on gracious hospitality. And what we see is Jesus stretches our ideas of, of welcoming and, and honoring. Jesus reimagined what honor and hospitality looked like. And so Jesus in the gospel, Jesus and the gospel, they help us to reimagine what honor and hospitality look like in our lives. And so what new vision does Jesus have for us today? Well, this Jesus story, uh, we have two points today, two main points. Jesus reimagines the path of honor. The way up is down. And Jesus reimagines hospitality. Just be welcoming and leave any type of payback in God's hands. Okay, let's get into this. The, the setting is this. A long time ago, uh, once again, this is a Jesus story. It is the Sabbath day. And Jesus is invited over to uh, a prominent Pharisee's house. A Pharisee's house. The Pharisees are a, a sect of, of Jews. They're known for their strict religious rule-keeping. And Luke tells us that Jesus was being carefully watched. Don't you love that? <laughs> so Jesus, he gets to the house, and he observes this behavior. All of the other guests, they're, they're elbowing their way to the seats of honor. Okay, so in this culture, uh, most likely this, this could be a, uh, a triclinium. It's a U-shaped seating, seating arrangement. All right? The host would sit at the bottom of the U. And then the seats of honor would be on the left and the right. And then it kind of, like, the seats of honor kind of go from there. Okay? So this is a, a cultural thing. Cultural thing. The host sits at the bottom of the U. And then honor, honor seats are left and right from there. So this is what Jesus sees. That they're, they're, they're going after the, these honor seats. All right? It's a cultural thing. In Chinese culture, the, the, the place of honor is the seat that is directly facing the door of the room. Think about your own meals. Is there a special spot for grandpa, for mom, dad? Okay, you, you kind of know your, your roles a little bit. There, there is a seat of honor. We might not think of it like that per se, but kind of under the surface, that's, that's actually what it is. Like, like this is where dad sits. So Jesus' day, they would do their religious ceremonial hand washing. And when all of that's done, they, they're vying for these seats of honor. They got to get there. Jesus sees this. He's like, all right, I got to teach. This is a teaching op opportunity here. I'm going I'm to give a parable. And so this is what Jesus says. 
He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so Jesus points out here that at a, at a feast like this or a banquet like this, okay, honored guests typically arrive after most of the other guests. Think about a wedding reception that you've attended. Okay, you probably get to the wedding reception hall a little bit earlier before the bridal party. So you can just imagine you're going into that, that reception hall and there's probably special tables at, a, you know, at the back of the room or front of the room. Like, yes, that's where the wedding party sits or that's where the bride and groom sit. Now, just because you got there early, you don't go sit in those seats of honor. Okay? These are special tables. Special tables. All right? You're not supposed to sit there. And so Jesus clearly teaches here. He's like, okay, don't go after these, these seats of honor. Don't be anxious to get the best seats. Why? Because if you're asked to move, that would be super embarrassing for you. Right? If you sit where you're not supposed to sit, and then in front of everyone, you're going to be asked to get up, and then every step you take will be a step of shame. It's not a good look. All right? You'll probably have to go all the way back to the back of the, the room, to the least important place. It's humiliating. Okay, so time out here. What's with all this shame talk? Okay? What is the big deal? If you sit down in the wrong spot, but then you get asked to move and you have to relocate, like, what is the big deal? Well, here's the thing. Jesus lived in a shame-honor culture, okay? And we, we need to be sensitive to this. There are cultural flavors in this story that we're kind of missing because, well, we're 2,000 years removed, but most of us are, are not in the shame-honor framework. So let's, let's take a moment and just teach on this. There's an academic, a, a missionary named Jason Georges. And he, he teaches that there are three main types of cultures. You have shame-honor cultures, guilt-innocent cultures, and fear-power cultures. All cultures have all of these items, but typically there's, there's usually like a majority version, a, a majority type of, of culture. In the West, in America, we are guilt-innocents, okay? It's, it, guilt-innocent cultures are, are very individualistic. Uh, we're defined by rules and laws. The main force is guilt. When you do something wrong, you feel guilty. And guilt cultures really rely on internalizing moral codes, and you respect the institutions that you're a part of. When you go to school, you learn the framework of what it means to be a student at that school. When you go to the bank, you, you, you operate a certain way. When you, when you go to work, 
you know, you know the rules. Okay, you're expected as an individual to internalize these rules, to know what's right and wrong. And then there's shame honor cultures. Again, this is Jesus's culture. This is actually the majority of our world lives in a shame honor framework. It's more communal, collectivistic. It's really defined by relationships and, and roles. And the, the main force behind this is shame. If you do something wrong, you feel shame. But you didn't just make a mistake. You are a mistake. Okay, that's, that's the big difference there. Shame honor is, is fluid and your social value uh, is, is in the light of the community. It's all about who you know. And how your community sees you. So that's why they're going to the seats of honor. Because it makes them look good in light of the community. And your moral code is all about knowing your role. Knowing your place. If you step out of your role, you dishonor your family. You bring shame to your country, etc. Your community. And then there's... Fear, power cultures, and I won't talk too much about this, but they're typically tribal in nature. Um, they're more exotic to us as Westerners. Uh, fear, power cultures, they, they live in constant fear of invisible powers that are out there. Okay, You don't want to upset the spirits. Fear cultures, they, they just want to live at peace with the world. They, they don't like disharmony. If, if something bad happens, then you do certain things to ward off those bad spirits. Okay? Now, when we sneeze, typically, we say, bless you. Where does that come from? That is a pre-modern notion that our soul is being expressed, like our soul might be slipping out. And so, if we can quick bless that person then maybe Satan won't snatch that soul when we sneeze, okay? Again, all of these cultures, these culture types, shame, guilt, fear, every culture has them, uh, but typically there is, there is a majority type. And this is why missionaries will spend their time doing cross-cultural communication studies. Like, they'll learn how to communicate. Because at cultures... They, they, they think differently. There's going to be a, there's going to be a difference. How, how the framework is. Sometimes, uh, you know, looking somebody in the eye, that's disrespectful. Sometimes it is respectful. And so there's little nuances that missionaries will try to learn and, and pick up on. And the good news is, the gospel has an answer to shame, guilt, and fear. The gospel speaks to guilt, shame, and and fear. All right, let's get back to, to Jesus' story here. Jesus lived in a shame, honor culture. And as American readers, we need to be sensitive to the, to the, the cultural flavors that are, that are in our text. In shame cultures, there's a strong group orientation. Again, your value is found within the eyes of your community. It's not about what institutions you went to. It's about who you're sitting next to. Who do you know? Who knows you? That type of thinking. All right? It's about the face of your family. In Thai culture, the word for shame 
actually means to rip somebody's face off. Okay, so that's the type of, of like deep, um, deep connection they have to shame and, and honor. Very sensitive to these types of things. All right, honor and shame. It's fluid. It flows. In Jesus's context, this is what Jesus is saying here. You don't need to try to get honor yourself. All right, don't overestimate your importance. Do not overestimate your importance. This could lead to disgrace. You might overreach. You don't need to manage your face. You don't need to manage your image. Instead, Jesus says in verse 10, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. Go ahead, just take the low seat. You don't need to call shotgun at every car ride. If you go low, then the only way you can go up, or the only place you can go up is, is up. Only honor comes your way. That's what Jesus is suggesting here. So instead of you deciding and suggesting this is where you fit in, it's better to let other people to do that for you, to, to notice you, to bring honor to you. And Jesus summarizes this in verse 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus doesn't trash the shame-honor culture. He doesn't try to say, hey, actually, you should be guilt-innocence. That's going to work out better for you. That, that's not what Jesus is up to. He works through the shame-honor framework. He works through it. He works with it. He goes beyond it. He tries to reimagine it here. He says the way up is down. It's better to be humble and let others honor you. And this applies to both our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And the thing behind the thing here is humility. God honors humility with honor. And so point number one is Jesus reimagines the path of honor, the way up is down. And now our second point, Jesus reimagines hospitality. Be welcoming and let God take care of payback. So let's take a look at verses 12 through 14 now. In verse 12, after Jesus, or yeah, verse 12, after Jesus teaches this parable, he then directly turns to his host. And it's like, since we're on the topic of graciousness and humility, Jesus then advises his host to stay away from payback hospitality. Jesus speaks to his host. He says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus reimagines hospitality, and he sure does think we can do better. And really, the, the lesson is, is this. Stay away from payback hospitality. Hospitality that has this transactional motive behind the scenes, that, that intention. I'm going to serve you so that you serve me, so that I serve you, serve me. All right? That's not what Jesus is chasing after. He says this, 
you know, specifically invite people who cannot repay you. No way, no how. Invite the people that the Pharisees don't hang out with. Invite the people who don't even come close to the temple. Invite the people, the lame, the poor, the crippled, the blind. And Jesus hangs all of this. He hangs all of this on a future blessing. God will someday bring you honor. All right. Jesus stretches us here. He says, broaden your circles now. The things that we do, our social functions, can include more people than what we think. So go ahead and invite the uninvited. And certainly we can start making a list in our head of, of people who we'd be comfortable with, those who would stretch us, those who would really stretch us as we broaden our circles. But Jesus says, be welcoming and radically just welcome people and, and let God take care of any honor or, or payback or reward. The thing behind the thing here is compassion. And let me tell you, Jesus is a big fan of compassion. Actually, on his way to this Pharisee's house, he actually came across a man who suffered with abnormal swelling all over his body. It sounds terrible. And so Jesus, he, he turns to the Pharisees who were with him, and he's like, hey, is, is it okay to heal this man on the Sabbath or not? And the Pharisees, they remain silent. Okay? And so then Jesus, he heals the man. The man gets up and walks away. By Luke chapter 14, like healings, like just kind of come and go. And it, it, like it just happens. It's told so briefly. This man is healed. And it's like, yeah, that, that's a normal thing now as we read through the gospel of Luke. All right. The man is healed. And then Jesus says, all right, if your kid falls in a well, wouldn't you grab that kid up? You know, if, you're, if your ox falls in a well, would you not immediately pull your ox out? And again, the Pharisees had nothing to say. All right? If, if your child fell in a well on the Sabbath day, absolutely, absolutely, you would break Sabbath law to get your kid out of the well. But the, the religious Pharisees here, they, they had so many rules and, and laws and such a thick framework, they couldn't even answer Jesus. They, they did not want to allow themselves to get tripped up. All right? The religious compassion and their, their religious hypocrisy here, it's, it smells. It smells foul. Okay? There's something off here. And we too. Before we throw stones at the Pharisees, we too, we need to be careful with our own religious constructs of who's in and who's out and, and religious rule keeping. And we need to be careful with that. In short, God does care about our motives. And back to hospitality. Hospitality with no expectations, that's the goal. It's pleasing to God. Let your motives be simple and pleasing to God. It's, it's hospitality without expectations. And then Jesus says this, you can bank on this. God will bless, God will reward, 
God will bring you honor. Let God take care of any payback, any reward. It's going to be okay. If you rack up achievements in this lifetime, if people bring you honor, if people bring you roses in this lifetime, that's awesome. That's wonderful. If not, Jesus says it's still awesome and wonderful because God will someday bring you all the roses you want. God will bring you crowns of honor. God will bring the reward. And so Jesus, he, he reimagines the path of honor. The way up is actually to go down, just stay humble. And Jesus also reimagines hospitality here. Be welcoming and let God take care of any payback. And you know, the, the heart of this sermon, it really is the gospel. Because of the cross, our shame is exchanged for Jesus' honor. Our orphan state is exchanged for sonship. We are welcomed into the family of God. Jesus was despised. Jesus was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, a man familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. Jesus was despised, and we esteemed him not. But the gospel says, because of Jesus, we are welcomed into the family of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or uh, in similar language, we all have shame and we all, we all fall short of the honor of God. But you know what? Anyone who trusts in Jesus will not be put to shame. Shame flows away into honor. Our honor is restored by Jesus, and we are welcomed and honored by Jesus. And guess what? This, this welcoming, this, this re restoration of honor, it's entirely free. Whether you live in a fear culture, a shame culture, or a guilt culture, the gift is this. Know it to be true that Jesus died on the cross to cancel your fear, to take away your shame, to take away your guilt. Jesus takes our old status and we receive a new one that has purity, that has innocence, that has honor written all over it. And Jesus says, welcome, friend. Welcome, friend. So as we keep applying this gospel to our lives time and time again, we are free to welcome and honor others. We can glorify God. We can graciously show hospitality to others. We can be free to give now. And we'll let God take care of any reward. Any payback. The crowns of eternal honor. And that's radical. To be that free of, of, of not having any concern of reciprocity or, or you know, you're going to get a pat on the back or any Like, just to live completely free of no expectations of, of any rewards coming to you in this lifetime. But Jesus, that's, that's the tension. That's... That's Jesus right there. He's saying, it's okay. Don't worry about it. 
Someday you will be honored. You don't need to manage who's worthy. And yes, feeling like an outsider, feeling unwanted, that, that's not a good feeling. I've experienced it, perhaps all of us have. I'm sure we have. All of us have, have felt that before. But may our prayer as a church be this, to ask Jesus to continue to shape our, our heads and our hearts and our hands and our habits by this radical gospel for us to reimagine what means to honor others, what it means to be welcoming and, and to, to show hospitality. What does that look like? What does that look like in our day, in our time, and culture? Let the gospel continue to stretch us all. Let's pray.